Hello and welcome to Sports Beat After Hours. Ugh. Did you miss us? I think you did. I am your host, Hemahe Muli Jr. And joining me on the ones and twos, our local lovable Canuck, DJ Zach Hicken. What's up, guys? It has been a minute. It's been four weeks. I think. I think. I don't know. I've, I've lost track of time. Yeah. Um, I don't know what time is anymore. <laughs> it's been I a I don't know what love is. No, I know what love is. <laughs> it's been a long freaking week for both of us. It has been. Um, welcome to Sports Beat After Hours, the podcast on KSL that is brought to you by the producers of Sports Beat, me and Zach Hicken. Um, this is the podcast where we talk about whatever we didn't get to talk about after our show airs on Sunday nights. Um, things that we thought were interesting, things that we may have missed and wanted to talk a little bit more about. Um, that's what this podcast is for. We've also been off the airways for a few weeks um, because Zach is a daddy now. I'm a dad. Is that great? Zach had Zach missed a week of work here, a little over a week. Or was it a week? Uh, it ended up being nine days. Um, I think ten days because I it ended up sandwiching like my two days off. Oh right. And then the week, and then my two days off. Um. So. So we missed some missed some. Uh, I missed time some, here. Some big stuff. Um, <laughs> it's been crazy. Let's see. Uh, we had the whole. Um, we missed high school playoffs. Yeah, I missed, I missed the high school championships. I missed the trip to Colorado. Um, That's right. For Utah and Utah State. Um, um, and then I got back in time for the rivalry game. Um, and I was completely out of the loop. My first day back, I. Oh, man. Parenting. Yeah, we'll talk just, a little bit about that. Is something else. You sleep. I don't know in what it minute. is anymore. <laughs> well, welcome to Dadhood where you. Don't get any sleep. Thank you. Um, so let me, you know what, let's start off by opening up, opening up a cold one like we always do. Uh, this one is for you, Zach, for becoming a new dad. Um, after we open this baby up. Let's pour out a little Diet Mountain Dew for uh, we'll pour some out my for, sleep, though. Pour, pour some out for your lack of sleep. And uh, one for the dead homies, a.k.a. every BYU fan in the state. It's been rough. So, uh, yeah. Crushed. Cheers. Um, yeah, so welcome back to the, the podcast, Zach. Um, let's see, where do you want to start? I mean, we can start with rivalry week. We can I, start. I think we have to. Um, so you were able to shoot the actual game up at Rice Eccles. Um, how cold was it? It wasn't too bad. Um, there, uh, there was a lot of energy in that stadium and you kind of feed off the energy. Sure. But the energy went away. Pretty quick. Real quick. Um, because uh, Utah opens up with a three and out, forcing a three and out against BYU. BYU punts, and the ball's touched by um, not Britton Covey, but someone on the return team. Which is crazy because that's been a problem all oh, it's been year. It's a huge problem. They saw it in the first two games. I, th- I think it was it the first three weeks. Mm-hmm. Utah had someone um, touch the ball on a punt, and the other team recovered. Mm-hmm. It happened against Weber State. Um, I know it happened against Northern Illinois. Um, I can't remember who the third game that happened against, but it's happened. It's yeah. happened a bunch. Um, but, yeah, it's just so – that game was just so bizarre, the way that it started, and I just 
I couldn't believe that it was happening the way it did. I mean, um, for BYU to recover, because that's just something that BYU has done to set itself back. Yeah. Um, You know, like the first pass in 2016 gets taken back for a pick six against Taysom Hill. The whole Mm -hmm. 2015 thing where Utah scored five touchdowns in the first quarter. Right. um, Because BYU couldn't hold on to the ball. And, you know, even though... So BYU goes ahead and scores, misses the PAT, which I thought was really funny because Skylar Southam, I was on the BYU sideline, as he was warming up, there were a lot of Utah fans that were jawing in his ear mm. um, saying, you don't even need to warm up because you won't even make any. Yeah. And he kept giving them the <laughs> thumbs up. Well, okay. he misses his first PAT. Oh, my god! Wide left. So, wow. Um, they got in there. They got in there. They got in his head. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting to see that. Um, but, you know, so I'm like, okay, you know, this is, this is something. Yeah. BYU's up. Can't remember the last time that happened. Sure. Um, I think Greg Rubel said in the last seven games, BYU hasn't scored a first quarter touchdown. Oh my gosh. Before last night. Well, that changed. Right. BYU scored 20 points in the first half. And how many and did Zach Utah Wilson, score? Zero. Crazy. 20 to zero at half. Zach Wilson was slinging the ball around. He looked great. Um, his tight ends were doing him a lot of favors. Matt Hadley, the safety linebacker turned running back, was running really well. He looked good, and th- which has been really surprising for a guy who was playing linebacker mm-hmm. halfway through the season. He moves over, and um, he, he is a state record holder in the state of Washington as a running back. But he looked really good running the ball, and he was um, he didn't really have very many um uh carries for loss. Hmm. So it was really um it was kind of a, a different look to see um a, a BYU player against that uh Utah front be successful because it just hasn't seemed like even with Jamal Williams yeah. just struggled beside outside of Taysom Hill. So Ye- being able to establish the run was big and then um yeah BYU was able to go up 20 to zero. You mentioned the uh, energy in Rice Eccles, and we're all familiar with like how rocking that place can be. Mm-hmm. Um, just like where it's located, how it's shaped. You got the, you know, the must on the east side and then the home fans on the west. So it's kind of, you're just surrounded, right? What was the energy like for the Utah fans after the first half? It was dead. Silent. It was gone. I mean, uh, it you could have heard a pin drop. Wow. Which is just so odd because um, for, uh, you know, for that stadium, I mean, all the way from the opening kickoff where they're, uh, I, I forget the name of the song that they play at the beginning. Um, it's, it's a Muse the, song, though. Oh. Well, there's the... No. Not that one. No, it's the Muse song. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of what it is. Uh, anyway, it'll come to me in a second, but, um, when that song starts playing, that place gets rocking, um, and they play it right before the opening kickoff. Uh, and I think they play it before the fourth quarter too, but anyway, um, yeah, Utah came out and, uh, BYU forces a three and out and that kind of let a big collective, um, sigh out for like a lot of the BYU fans that were in there. Cause even though BYU is up 20 to zero, they were still tense. They were excited, but they were tense. And forcing that three and out was like, okay, this is real. Yeah. 
BYU can still do this, um, even though you know Utah just went in had a huge probably made a lot of halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, probably just got railed on by their coaches. Oh, I'm absolutely sure they were. <laughs> um, I mean, Kyle Winningham said himself he was a very colorful halftime speech by himself and a lot of the seniors. Um, but yeah, uh, BYU gets the ball back, um, goes ahead and, uh, they're moving the ball. Um, and on third down and I think it was two or three, third down and two, it was Mm -hmm. third down and two. And Zach Wilson, who's been throwing all first half, just like all over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he got, he got lucky a couple times because he threw the ball at the end of the first half that bounced off a couple defenders' hands. Wow. Um, and it pro- the balls probably should have been intercepted. That ended mm-hmm. up leading to the touchdown that Matt Hadley scored from the one-yard line um, on third down uh, to go up 20-0. to zero. But, uh, yeah, on third and two, throws a slant. Uh, Julian Blackman cuts it off. Uh, they had a – it was cover two, blue call. Mm-hmm. He jumped the route Just and took it back. Just waiting for that. Yeah. yeah. And at that <clears throat> moment, the momentum shifted. Completely. That stadium came back to life. There was energy in the stadium. Wow. Um, all the coldness, because it was cold after yeah. that energy left. That first half was cold. I'll, that was the coldest I was in, during the entire game. Um, once that energy came back, though, it was there to stay. Wow. And for me personally, I thought Utah's going to win this game now. Interesting. They have all the momentum. First play of the second half. Mm-hmm. Still a lot of game to be played, but you instantly thought, you're like, oh. Well, it's- and what happens next is BYU is forced to punt. I think mm-hmm. they got they had a, a three and out. Uh, then they force a Utah three and out. And it's like, okay, maybe Utah or BYU can still hold the Utah offense. Uh-huh. They haven't picked up the rhythm yet. So Mitch Wisnowski, um is set back to punt the Ray Guy Award winner, Ray right. Guy Award finalist. Shanks went off into the stands that goes seven yards. Oh, my gosh. It was a seven-yard punt that went halfway up the east uh, east, east side stands. Wow. Um, and BYU marches downfield. Uh, they get down to the one-yard line. Uh, beautiful pass from uh, Wilson to freshman. The freshman connection to Dallin Holker, mm-hmm. um, the freshman tight end. And uh, Utah's defense came up pretty strong. Uh, forced fourth down, and this was a, a brilliant move by the BYU coaching staff, but they send in a whole new personnel group, okay. making it look like it's going to be a PAT uh, attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, they bring out Wilson. They send in Austin Kefensis, who was a high school port- quarterback. In fact, yep. Zach Wilson was Austin's backup back in the day at Jordan High School before he went really? to Porter Canyon. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. He was his freshman year. I mean, they're not far apart, those two schools, but, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, pretty interesting, right? Um, So uh, they bring in Kefensis, um, and they kind of run like, uh, I think David Nixon called it like a wing T army special. Oh, right. um, Sending Matt Hadley in motion, and then they used Kefensis as the lead blocker through the hole. Yeah. It was a great play call Mm -hmm. um, because Utah literally was scrambling, had no idea what to do. They didn't know if what was going on. I mean, Cody Barton was lined up – like down three, it, yeah. as a down lineman in like the three gap. Yeah. Um, he was like playing a three technique. And so um, it's a middle linebacker who was a safety in high school. Yeah. Um, trying to match up against the offensive uh, lineman out of, yeah. a, out of a three point <clears throat> stance. So, um, and even though BYU scored, 
regain the 20-point lead, the momentum's still all in Utah's hands. Yeah. Next drive, Utah marches down, scores. Yeah. Uh, at that point, Michael Shelton was out. Um, I think Rhett Sandlin, uh, who was like the third string um, boundary side linebacker for BYU, was out. Wow. Uh, soon Isaiah Kafusi goes out. He's the second or third string guy. Well, te- yeah. I guess, yeah, technically third string um, on the uh, field side linebacker. Mm-hmm. And he's been great. I think he's been BYU's best linebacker in the second half of the season, the most improved defensive player by far. By far. Corbin Kafusi's getting rattled, which we're going to talk about him in a second. He was already That like dude is hurt. a warrior. Yeah. Um, and at that point, um, Utah just had all the momentum. They're running up-tempo, picking up huge chunks. Uh, BYU did switch its defensive scheme from, like, four-down linemen to five-down linemen to three Ugh. set. And Very controversial. Yeah, very controversial. For anyone like, that... A lot of people are really upset with... Tuiaki's decision to do this, right? Um, like former players, sure, are calling him out for doing this. Um, but at that point, Utah marches down and scores, um, and they scored, uh, I believe, their final twenty-eight points in the final sixteen minutes of the game. Yeah, which is just crazy, wild. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, all the momentum was in Utah's favor. Um, as soon as Utah took the lead, twenty-eight to twenty-seven, off the Armand Shine. Uh, touchdown run that you just like the the BYU sideline was just deflated I mean I, I walked past um at the end of the third quarter as you know these guys are having their defensive huddle yeah and the backup to uh, Isaiah Kafusi is just he is so down on himself on the bench and he has to have his teammates around him picking him up yeah um because he's just so down and like the fact that this is taking away the focus from the game to try and pick up this teammate, I think just killed BYU's momentum and just killed like all the momentum that they had on the sideline because they're sitting there trying to have a defensive meeting, but half the team is trying to like cheer this guy up for yeah. getting picked on the entire second half. And so it was just it was just a really weird game. Um, I honestly don't see how BYU can beat Utah in the foreseeable future. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know these games are always crazy, but, like, it just shows, like, there's just a gap in talent that, you know, Utah kind of overlooked BYU a little bit, looking forward to the Pac-12 championship game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I I think that they kind of thought that they had it in the bag. And, um, you know, it showed that when they got a little fire lit underneath them that what they could do against BYU. Yeah. Because Jason Shelley looked really good. Um, I mean, I think the the three main storylines coming out of this game are Jason Shelley, his performance. Um, can he maybe push Huntley for the starting position next year? I think so. Even even before going to the championship, the uh, Pac-12 championship game. I love Jason Shelley, and you're, you remember me saying this at the beginning of the season after mm-hmm. the Weber State game, is that I thought Jason Shelley maybe had a little bit more than Tyler Huntley. Right. Um, I I felt like. He's a little bit more dynamic. Um, he might not have the same arm. He's a little bit undersized compared to Huntley. But I, he just kind of has, like, that gamer mentality um, that he can just go in and get it done. Interesting. Which Zach Wilson has that exact same personality. Like, people are saying, Zach Wilson is Riley Nelson 2.0 but with a better arm or, like, healthy, right. you know. You want to know who Zach Wilson is? Zach Wilson is Jim freaking McMahon. Like, right down to the the headband, you know. Like, right. He's this... Uh, 
He's this kid that's got swag. Swag. He's got a big arm. Uh, you know, he, he comes in as a young guy, um, filling in for um, an uh, uh, upperclassman that, you know, has had a lot of great moments. It was Mark Wilson for Jimmy Mack. And mm-hmm. uh, for Zach, it's obviously Tanner Mangum. But he comes in and, you know, just has this confidence around him that, you know, he's able to get it done. I mean, one of the most famous moments or mo- one of the most, like, um, infamous moments for uh, Jimmy Mack was in the 1980 uh, Miracle Bowl where mm-hmm. he um, just rips Lavelle a new one on the sideline. He's dropping F-bombs like, don't effing give up on this team. Yeah. And he goes back and leads them into a win. That's something I could see like with Zach Wilson's fire, he cares so much. Yeah. He cares so much. I mean, you could see in his face after this game, like, he was so upset. He really wanted to get Utah because this is his team. Right. He grew up cheering for um, his entire life, and he wanted to beat those guys to show, hey, you know what? You should have offered me over Tuttle. Yeah. You made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And he did show that, but he wanted to get the win. Yeah. He really wanted to beat those guys. I mean, he's a competitor yeah. over everything. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, that that was, you know, the second biggest storyline. I think Shelly and Wilson is going to be a big rivalry Oof. over the next four years. I cannot wait. Because these guys are going to go to battle over the next four years. It's going to be it's going to be great. Because I don't think I'm the only one that going into this game didn't expect much from it. Like I didn't, because uh, you know the Utah BYU games always crazy. But like last year's was a snooze fest. It was yeah. terrible. Um, it was only good for the last minute and a half. I right. Think. And so like this game with like so many new two freshman quarterbacks. Both sides battling injuries. I totally expected this to be just like a field goal kicking game. Yeah. And it wasn't. And I'm pleasantly surprised. And I think, like you said, the reason is because of those two quarterbacks. They got that fire. Doesn't matter if they're freshmen or not. Well, and it's like they they both are leaders and they're able to instill confidence in their team. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at how young both of the teams that were playing yesterday were yeah i mean utah has a very experienced defense sure um you have bradley and i chase hansen cody barton Corey and ballard marquise blair yeah so there are a lot of upperclassmen that probably won't be here at the u next year um and then you know going up against byu uh which is starting uh you know a true freshman quarterback um i think four out of the five starters on the offensive line are freshmen yeah um, two fresh or a freshman tight end and a sophomore tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, only upperclassmen I think that started in that game uh, were Austin Hoyt, the left tackle. Yeah. Uh, what what class is Tristan Hodge? Tristan is Hodge is a, a sophomore. Oh dang! Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. He's a sophomore. He I know Brady's a it. sophomore. Brady's a freshman. He's a redshirt. Oh, redshirt freshman. Uh, yeah. MP is a redshirt <laughs> freshman, and then I believe Kiefer Longson is a redshirt sophomore. Okay. Um, and then you have, uh, yeah, Dylan Colley, uh, Austin Hoyt, and Matt Hadley are the only uh, three really? seniors. And Matt Hadley is like the fourth, third, fourth string running back um, entering fall. Well, yeah, entering fall camp because, you know, at that point, uh, BYU still had Lapini Katoa, mm-hmm. um, Squally Canada. And then, uh, of course, you know, Ula Tolitao was, I believe, still with the program heading into fall camp. Yeah. So, uh, very interesting um, that, you know, 
that Matt Hadley was able to come in. And I said it earlier, the way that he was able to run the ball, he has great vision, yeah, a lot of patience, and then he ends up getting hurt on the offensive side of the ball. And that's kind of when the run game went away. You turn the reins over to fourth, fifth string running back, Riley Burt, who right. is very athletic, very skilled, but for some reason just hasn't seen the field yet. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people say it's because of his vision um, or lack of. Right. And it kind of showed, you know, he wasn't ready for this stage. Um, but, yeah, it's just it, – it was really interesting to see, you know, what these teams were, this very young group, um, resilient group on BYU's offense, matching up against one of the best defenses in the country. Sure. Um, and then, you know, you BYU as well on the defensive side of the ball, still pretty young. Uh, yeah. Only two starters that are going to be – leaving after this year are Taki Taki and Kafusi. Yeah. Um, and I just want to take a minute right now to talk about Corbin Kafusi because that dude is a warrior. Okay. Yeah. He has three injuries that require season ending surgery. He's got damaged ligaments in his pinky. Yeah. He has a torn triceps. He's been playing with an elbow brace. Right. Um, For the and past I, few I games. used to sell elbow braces before I worked. Uh-huh. I know about those elbow braces. Those things are serious when you have to wear one of those. Yeah. Um, if you're playing with one of those on, if you're seeing someone playing with one of those on, something had, they went have down. Some serious yeah. <laughs> damage to their arm, uh, their extremity there. Yeah. Um, not 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 always the case with the lower, with the uh, the leg braces, but with those elbow braces. Sure. Those are holding your arm together. So the, they're not just to protect your arm. <laughs> they're holding your arm together right. so you can actually function. Because legs are like, some, more often than not, they're precautionary. It's preventative, yeah. yeah. And you, you see every offensive line in the country will wear those Don Joy braces. Yep. Uh, every quarterback on their lead leg will wear yep. those. Um, but when they're on your elbow, those <laughs> bad boys are there to hold your arm together, okay? So Corbin Think Kifusis, Gronk, right? Yeah, think Gronk or J.J. Watt. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like, okay, so his elbow's falling apart, his pinky's damaged, and then against UMass, uh, he tears ligaments in his ankle, and he's right. out against New Mexico State. It's reported by, uh, you know, everyone in the BYU Sports Network, both broadcast, the radio and TV broadcast, that he's done for the season. Yeah. Uh, Well, he decides, you know what? He goes and gets a second opinion. There's no more damage that he can do to his ankle. Right. Um, He uh, decides that, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out there and battle one last time with my brothers. If if I can't do any more damage, you know what? I want to lay it all out on the line. He put on his Instagram before, till the wheels fall off. And literally, he was out there playing until the wheels fall off. He was carried off the field yeah. twice. Incredible. Because he was injured. Um, just because of how hard he was playing. And he finished with the second most tackles on the team. That's crazy. Be- behind Sione Takitaki. So so this guy, and so let me just put it back in a f- while you're um, typing stuff out. The He missed last game due to injury. Mm-hmm. But... The doctor said, like, you know, dude, can't get any worse. You'll need surgery, but you can last for, like, another week without having to do surgery. So he's like, screw it. I have one more game. Biggest game of the year, at least for the Cougars. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go balls to the wall, see what happens. And here's what he had to say about it after the game. He was very emotional. He was on the verge of tears when talking about this decision. And I think some of it may have had to do with the pain that he was in, but here's what he had to say afterwards. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, they, they wanted me to get surgery last week, and but it was one, 
they said if you can tolerate the pain and all that, then you can do it. And I just wanted to give back to this team. You know, I love these guys. And that's what playing football is all about, the love of the team, the love of the game. And I knew I had more to give. Kafusi wraps up and tackles. Kafusi got in and no gain on the play. It's weird because uh, I'm not, like it hurts, but I'm just so happy that I got to play because last week I thought I was done. And then just to be able to come out and play with these guys that I love so much, I was just happy, man. And so just just to hold them one more time and say, hey, thanks for, thanks for riding with me to the end because, you know, we just go to the wheels fall off and that's all I cared about. Incredible. That you could just tell, like in his voice, even like you can't see him. You know, if you guys want to see this video, um, check out Zach's Twitter that he has this video up. Um, but just in his voice, you can hear it. Like he's, you know, there's a lot of pain. Obviously, physical. Obviously, after losing to a game, a game that they could have won. Um, but. Also, like, gratitude, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a little bit of gratitude in his voice for him making the decision to, like, stick it out and for his, like, like he said, his brothers on the field and um, just really cool. It's a really cool story. Yeah, and, I mean, this is – he's he's so respected. Um, I So I put this out on Twitter last night, and it blew up. Um, it's been watched almost 30,000 times. Yeah, has almost 30,000 views. Um, and you have everyone on every side of the equation commenting on what kind of a warrior this guy is. BYU fans, Utah fans, Utah State fans, um, you know, fans that played against him earlier in the season, uh, who just respect him for his game, and then to see him go out there and lay it all out on the line when we're we're in in 2018, we see guys who, uh, you know, they get a little bit banged up. They're going to sit out the rest of the season because they're worried about their pro careers. Right. They'll sit out bowl games. Sitting out bowl games. Uh, Bosa at Ohio State is taking off taking off the entire season to just focus on turning pro after he uh, suffered an injury. So um, it was really cool to see that from Corbin. And this is a guy who uh, the absolute like definition of like a team guy. Um, he's been around – BYU for what seems like forever because he also played basketball at BYU. Some of the biggest moments in the Dave Rose era um, came with Corbin Kafusi on the team. I mean, he had that put-back dunk um, to help seal the win against number one Gonzaga uh, a few years ago. He was instrumental in the game when Gonzaga was ranked second and BYU won in the kennel, snapping the 40-plus game win streak that uh, Gonzaga had at home. And then he comes in and he has 17 and a half sacks in his BYU career, which is the fifth most since 2000 when a sack became an official stat. So uh, he's been around. Um, the Kafusi family is completely intertwined with BYU from his dad, Steve, who played at BYU in the late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. then was a coach for years, to his older brother, uh, Bronson, who was at BYU from like 2010 to 2014. Um, I. My years may have been off, 2012 to 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Corbin, they inter- overlapped <laughs> a little bit. Then brother Devin, uh, cousins Isaiah and Jackson, like the Kafusi yeah. family. They're and, legacies. They're legacies. Yeah. And Corbin, like seriously, put himself on a pedestal for like the example of like what kind of teammate you want to be. And 
and like what kind of kafus you want to be <laughs> among like a family that is like sure. absolute royalty in Provo. I mean, his mom's the mayor of Provo. Right. Like you can't be a bigger deal in Provo than you can as a Kafusi. And it's like Corbin has like elevated his status yeah. because of what he did to in just help game. his team out. And he put BYU in a great position, sorry to cut you off, oh, to win this game. It's it, You know, I think you're absolutely right. And it doesn't matter what you think about him, like whether it's his play on the court or on the field. It doesn't matter your opinions on his skill level or whatever compared to his brother, especially Bronson. But you can't deny that this dude's got a heart and – uh, he he put it out there. He willed himself to like play, banged up, and that's got to get you into the upper echelon of Cougar fandom for sure. Yeah, I mean you have teammates who are commenting on this video who are saying he is the best teammate I've ever had. He's the best leader mm-hmm. that I've ever been with. Um, he's someone that I will ride with until I die. Yeah. like he's my ride or die. Um, so it, really cool. Um, to just see like all these people coming out of the woodworks from like Kainakua to Travis Tuiloma yeah. to Adam Pulsifer, um, some of his former teammates that are just like, man, I love this guy and yeah. I love playing with him. And I think that shows um, with the respect that he got um, after the game. Yeah. Um, it was really cool to see that. And uh, it, it's going to be um, kind of weird to see him move on just because he's been around for so yeah. long. And I've, I mean, I'm, I've been very tied to BYU just in covering the program for sure. a long time. I, I exclusively covered BYU for three years. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be weird to see Corbin not out there uh, for the final game. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't think he'd have it any other way. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> that's that's probably the the positive side of the like the positive side of BYU fans that we've seen. <laughs> After this game. Oh, yeah. Like, they go from, <laughs> like, being, like, on, uh, like, you know, maybe needing to check into, like, a, a facility to, hey, you know what? We got to appreciate these guys sure. for what they are because, you know what? It is a game. Yeah. And these guys are here to entertain us, and they're putting their bodies on the line. They're in a lot of yeah. pain. Um, and, I mean, seriously, between like, all the injuries that happened yesterday just suck. Yeah. And it, I, I like, on both sides, I just feel so bad that... You know, to see anyone go down in such a big game and, you know, to feel like they let their team down, their fans down. Yeah. It's just disappointing. And It is. And you just got to feel bad. I, You know, you, you do feel bad. I do feel bad. Um, you know, in case you, like, no one knows, my family is, like, a big BYU family. My dad played there. My uncle played there. Um, so it is, you know, although we love our boys and we do support them, um, and it's great to see stories like like Corbin's. We did lose. We got our eighth loss in a row at the hands of Utah. Um, so what now? You know, I I I am not in the camp of like let's fire Kalani or whatever. Um, I, I don't think you can at this point. Um, I mean, like if you just look at this year alone, sure we lost BYU lost to Utah, but they also beat Wisconsin. The, was, the Wisconsin beat. job, or winning winning Wisconsin, beating Wisconsin. The Wisconsin job Kalani's, sounds like a 
like a heist. Yeah, like they, it was a heist they, because they went in there and like <laughs> robbed them. Like flipped over Wisconsin. Season. Yeah, it's called. It's now officially the Wisconsin job. Okay, I like podcast. it. Uh, so the, the Wisconsin job saved Kalani's job. I, I think it extended him in a way for another year. That was a one-year contract extension by getting that win. That's yeah. one of the biggest wins in program history. But the fact that BYU needed to win win that game, get bowl eligible, is pretty wild. Yeah, yeah, that's true. BYU's six and six. If they lose that game, they're yeah, they're not they're not bowl going eligible. bowling. And uh, so, um, yeah, pretty wild if you think about that's it. That's absolutely but, a job securing win. Let me give you a number though. Okay. One and eight. One and eight. That's Kalani's record against rivals, Utah State, Boise State, and Utah as the head coach of BYU. Wow. He's beat Utah State once in right. twenty fifteen. Excuse me, twenty sixteen, his first season. Um and he's lost he's been swept by Boise State. He's been swept by Utah. Wow. Interesting. How how's that doesn't change your perspective about it see the problem is i don't know because i would argue i'm in the camp of like fire um uh michigan's coach uh jim harbaugh, jim harbaugh because he also he can't beat his rivals. can't beat his rivals yeah um you're just bitter about you know, the whole way he left stanford <laughs> though aren't you uh nah no, i don't know kidding. it's I don't know. We can talk was about he there that later. when your brother was offered? No. Okay. He wasn't. Okay. It so was Shaw no all the way. To, okay. There's no ties no. to Harbaugh. Although there is a tie. This is interesting. Okay. Uh, my dad. So Jim Harbaugh was on the Bears that when my dad got signed to the Bears. Oh, cool. So they were both rookies that same year. Okay. That's a, another story for another time. Okay. Um. But in Kalani's case, I feel like it's harder because. BYU doesn't have the recruiting like Michigan has. Mm-hmm. Michigan should have consistently a good squad every year because of how they recruit, because of how much money their program gets. Right. Kalani's hands are tied in a lot of but different areas. But here's the thing with like Michigan: like Michigan was ten and one entering this week's game against Ohio State. It's mm-hmm. not they were ranked number four in the CFP rankings. Like they were poised to go to the playoffs. Yeah. Just because they can't beat Ohio State, is that the only reason that Harbaugh should be fired? Because it's not like he's had, it's not like he's been unsuccessful. Sure. No, I. And it's not I his don't know. fault that he's going up against a guy that literally sold his soul to the devil. <laughs> That's true. Um, and you know, it's kind of unfair to compare Ohio State to like Utah, for example, or even Boise State. Well, but and the thing is, too, I don't think I think there's less of a gap. And I'm going to get a lot of BYU fans mad at me for this. Okay. There's less of a gap between Ohio State and Michigan and where their programs are at yes. than there is between Utah and BYU. And that's just <clears throat> that's the simple truth at this point. No, I completely Utah's agree. Utah's in the Pac-12. Yep. They're making a lot of money. Um, say what you want about the way that they won the Pac-12 South. Yeah. BYU fans. They won the Pac-12 South. Yeah. BYU barely made it to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Okay. BYU's one and eight, and there there are so many you know reasons that you can throw out. You know what? This is a, a second part of a rebuilding year. Um, last year was just completely tear it all up. Yep. This was the second part of that. A lot of really young guys are you know in the program, mm-hmm. um, getting acclimated to college football and you know everything that's involved with it. Uh, first year offensive coordinator, you bring in. 
pretty much almost an entirely new offensive sure. staff besides Steve Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, there are excuses there. And I think because of some of these quote-unquote excuses, that's also part of the reason that Kalani's going to get the benefit of the doubt from his bosses. Yeah. And I think that's why he gets it from me too. I think the recruiting is also different. Like, so we talk about this all the time. Like, oh, just wait till Kalani's recruits get here. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're going to start. They're starting to come. This is, they're starting to come now. So we should start seeing results. And that's different in like, different from like Jim Harbaugh because he doesn't have to worry about missionaries. He doesn't have to worry about, um, the honor code. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, so Jim Harbaugh has a shorter leash for me because he should always have consistently good four or five star recruits rolling into Michigan. Whereas BYU will be lucky if they get a four star recruit. It, it's just that's just the fact of the school, uh, of the program, and so, yeah, I give Kalani a longer leash, um, because of those reasons. I I do think that one thing that Kalani needs to do a better job of, is the retention in his program. When he gets commits, he needs to hold on to them, especially sure. when they're going up to his rival and having a very significant impact against BYU. Right. Um, Lucky Foto was at one point a BYU commit and flipped right before signing day. Um, the, it's, I mean, yes. No, I agree. Yeah, Mika Tafua <clears throat> is another guy. Francis Bernard was literally on BYU's team, and that's yeah. outside stuff of like the whole football program. I mean, yeah, Francis's but off we, the field issues are very well. If documented, we, but if but, we just talk str- just about football, I I still agree with you. Um, you know. This kind of brings me to, like, my problem with the coaching staff. Um, You know, you say it's retention is, like, one area that they need to improve on. Um, Earlier last week, I shot this special um, golf tournament, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was two Cougars versus two ex-Utes, and, um, you know, that sort of rivalry thing. It was a lot of fun. Um, It was Riley Nelson. Um, and Braden Hansen, uh, yep. former you know, lineman, um, taking on Andy Phillips and Tom Hackett. Shouts to them, by the way. They have a podcast on KSL. Special Forces Gang. Special Forces check Gang. Check it out on uh, on uh, iTunes and kslsports.com. Yeah, check them out. Download them. They're great guys. Hilarious. But Andy Phillips, you know, he was another guy that, like, he wasn't committed to be what I mean – he wasn't offered BYU, but he, he should no have gone. Yeah, he should have so, gone. Uh, from my understanding, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong, uh, he was in position. I think he had a tryout with the team, and they pretty much like turned him. I can't remember if it was wow. him or Matt Gay. I know. Well, they both. You know, BYU just let him slip right through their fingers. Well, they're guys that were both in BYU's backyards. I mean, Andy Phillips, his sister Busy, yeah. was on the soccer team. It was like a star, She's and like ki- yeah. he grew up as a BYU guy, but like. Because he had a background as a skier and not a kicker, yeah, um, they turned him away. And look at—I mean, look at all he's accomplished. Skylar Southam, yeah, you know he was the big recruit. Uh-huh. He was the number one ranked kicker in the country. Um, but you just look at the lack of, um, you know, the the lack of consistency that BYU's had over the years. Um, at the kicking position. I mean, Justin yeah. Swartzen was supposed to be that guy. Yeah. He goes on his mission, and he just has every single thing that could possibly go wrong go wrong with him. Yeah. 
and he just never turned out to be because I remember seeing him at Bingham High School in 2006 um, and him kicking it through the uprights at Rice Eccles Stadium on kickoff like <sighs> seriously one of the best high school Wild. kickers I've ever seen in my entire life yeah uh, you know, they have Jake Holdroyd come in, who right. he wasn't even recruited. He was a walk-on. Is he on a mission or something? He's on a mission right okay. now, but he got hurt halfway, well, not even halfway through the season. He got hurt in the second game of the season of 2016 against Utah after he yeah. had, like, the great moment where he um, beat the game Arizona yeah. uh, for Kalani's first ever win. And then he gets hurt against Utah in game two of that season of 2016 and then goes on his mission. And so, you know... BYU's kind of been waiting in the wings for Skylar Southam to return. Yeah. Matt Gay comes in, tries out for the team, is told, you know what, we're okay. We have this kid coming. And Skylar Southam's shown a lot of promise. Sure. But you can't miss PATs when you're a college no. kicker, you know? And you can't do that. You can't, uh, you know, you have to be consistent within 35 yards. You have yeah. to be – it just has to be automatic. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a switch. It just has to be able to happen. It hasn't happened yet for Southam. Yeah. He's still working things out. He has the leg to, you know, hit a 50-plus yarder, mm-hmm. but he, he just had some accuracy issues this year. And so, yeah. you know, like w- what could have been for BYU with you know, Matt Gay or sure. um, Andy Phillips going there? Uh, you know, these are Lou Groza award winners, yeah. uh, really talented guys. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going up the, up, up to the hill, um, because they want to kick and they're getting opportunities to, yeah. and, um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's bizarre the way that things have turned for, for the BYU program and it. Well, it's just so many, like the whole Chase Hansen thing, Chase Hansen's a legacy guy Yeah, that his Dad and uncle were great BYU players. Mm-hmm. I I believe all conference. I think his dad was an All American. I think Brian was an All American at BYU. Yeah, really good players. Well, when BYU's recruiting him, he wanted to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. They said, "No, you're not a quarterback in yeah. our system. You're not going to play quarterback." When you're recruiting a kid, just tell them whatever you can to get him on campus. Because you know what <laughs> Utah told him, "Yeah, you're a quarterback." Right. And after a year, they switched him to safety and then moved him to linebacker once he got bigger, yeah. once he matured. Yep. And, you know, probably a move for the better because he's the best, in my opinion. He's a pro linebacker. The best defensive linebacker, linebacker yeah. the best defensive player in the Pac-12 this year. Um, I, He's the best player in the state. Yeah. And BYU let him slip away. Same with Britton Covey. Oh, absolutely. You know, Britton Covey is a guy who literally grew up in the shadow of uh, BYU. It went to Tempe High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, uncles, siblings, you know, they all went to BYU. There. Huge donors to BYU. Yeah. And it goes both ways. Yeah. Utah can say the exact same thing about Zach Wilson. You sure. know, um, what could have been. But it's just, it's all these things over the years that um, That's... for those who have followed BYU or cheer for BYU or whatever, there's a lot of frustration there. And it goes back to, you know, the previous coaching staff. And yeah. I think a lot of that, anger is being carried over to this new coaching staff because you haven't seen immediate results that you expect with the excitement that there was when Kalani was hired. Yeah. Everyone thought this was a home run hire. And, you know, the first year was good for Kalani. He had a lot of talent that was left over from Bronco Mendenhall's coaching staff. He didn't have to worry about a run game. He didn't have to worry about about it. Yeah. He had a senior running back, a senior quarterback, um, a talented offensive line. I think he had five 
NFL players on that roster in 2016. Great, yeah, great defense too. Like, yeah. Ugh. And so, yeah, like let's take a look at it. Kainakua, Mike Davis, mm-hmm. um, Fred Warner, Fred Warner, Harvey um, Longy, yeah. Taysom Hill, Jonah Trinaman, uh, and uh, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. These are all a while outside of uh, Jonah. These are all guys that have gotten that have played in NFL games. Yeah. They're on NFL rosters or injured reserve. Uh, T. John Karoma is mm-hmm. on an NFL roster, and he'd be playing if he didn't injure injured. his knee in uh, fall fall camp. Yeah, um, he had a lot of talent and went to a nine and three season, mm-hmm. or excuse me, nine and four season, uh, and he was like what eight points away from being undefeated. He, really good year, and so there was yeah. a lot of excitement. Um, I think BYU was like ranked in the preseason in 2017, come out and just absolutely disappointed. And it just, the excitement's never come back from that point um, where, uh, you know, where BYU beat Wyoming in the Poinsettia Bowl at the end of 2016. Yeah. And I think, so this kind of brings me to my point um, about the changes over time, like the widening gap between the programs between BYU and Utah and I think a lot of it has to do with coaching um because uh so in that golf tournament I was telling you about let me play this clip really quick and then we can move on um so the the Utah guys were losing after nine holes they played 18 holes so they were losing after nine holes and Tom said something really funny and this is what he said real quick adjustments are coming and we know who the stronger coaching staff is all right our golf cart started and so he was he was joking he was out. like second half adjustments are coming you know we're a second half team anyways but he's absolutely right okay utah showed that after getting shut out against byu in the first half their coaching staff made adjustments whereas byu's coaching staff didn't um and over time players are going to recognize that like this coaching staff can't make adjustments I want to play for a coaching staff that will make adjustments. So if that's the case that BYU is unable to make adjustments, is it time to move on? No, absolutely not. Okay. Um, Because like I said, I'm going to give them a longer leash, um, maybe get the right players in for their philosophy. Um, But if over the next couple of years, we we still see that even with better, quote unquote, better players, they still can't get it done, then maybe you start to think about moving on. So I think Kalani has through the end of 2020. That's fair. That's five seasons. Okay. And I, I think he should have, have a an... little bit longer leash next year because it's a tough schedule. It's only going to get tougher like yeah. as the years go by, Well, you honestly. Have, so you open up the season um, against Utah uh, at home. Uh-huh. Um, and then from there uh, – I believe USC is on the schedule. Um, Let's see. So this is 2019. 2019, BYU um, is going to be playing uh, Utah, okay. Tennessee, USC, Washington. Wow. Those are the that's the first uh, month of the season, first four weeks. Okay. Then Toledo at Toledo. That's mm-hmm. not a gimme. Whatever. Yeah. Um, USF, which has been a ranked team the majority of the season, uh, yeah, kind of collapsed at the end of the season. Finished seven and five. They might have a coaching switch. Um, it was kind of after their collapse. Boise State always tough. Utah State 
also tough. We'll talk about them in a minute. And then Liberty, Idaho State, UMass. Those are the only three games that I would say are gimmies. Gimmies. And then they finish the season at, at San, San Diego. Diego. Who is a good team? Yeah, one of the better teams in the Mountain West. Yeah. And that's the other thing is, like, you know, BYU fans want uh, <laughs> to go back to the, to Mountain, go back West. To the Mountain West. You can't beat Boise State. Can't beat Utah, Utah State. Utah State. Why do you want to go back? Thank God they don't play Fresno because Fresno is a good team yeah. this year. Like, well, they they would be in Utah State and Boise State's division. Division. They would not. Uh, they're going to finish in third every single year. Yeah. Um. They've struggled. It's just it's 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 just crazy to see where BYU was. Um. Yeah. In 2009, when it made the decision to go independent, where it is now in 2018. At least the national perspective. Yeah, um, I mean they. I mean it's cool because we get to play people like Tennessee, and we get to play, uh, you know, those Mississippi, uh, Mississippi I've, State. I've had plenty whatever. of cool experiences covering BYU. I've, I've gone to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Um, when they played UCLA in 2015, I went to, uh, out to Washington D.C. to FedEx Field, absolute dump of a stadium. <laughs> by the way, um, I will bring this up every every single, single time. time that I. Bring it that I talk about it. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Washington D.C. is a terrible town, <laughs> and FedEx Field is an awful venue. Yeah. Um, now that I'm off that soapbox, uh, you know, I've, I have had a, some cool opportunities to do that. And I know a lot of BYU fans who go out and travel and shell out money um, have had some cool mm-hmm. experiences that they've been able to have. Anywhere from Arrowhead Stadium to Nebraska, University of Phoenix Stadium to Nebraska yeah. to, like I said, the Rose Bowl. Um, to Husky Stadium against Washington, mm-hmm. there's been some cool experiences for BYU fans. Um, Due even, to independence. You know, Ole Miss and, and down in Texas um, at Darrell K. Royal Stadium. Yeah. Um, but if BYU is going to be turning out less than, you know, is going to be performing less than, like, the historical average or less than expectations – are fans really going to keep shelling out money to the program? Are they going to keep paying for season tickets? Because th- there's a major issue with attendance right now. Yeah. Um, for the first time in a while, I think BYU had like three games this year with less than 50,000 fans. Wow. Which is just crazy. If you can't fill up a 64,000-seat stadium, I I remember, you know, the 2006 through 2009, which is like the last tail end of uh, – like the glory years at BYU, where you couldn't even buy a ticket. Right. You had to go buy them from scalpers outside of the stadium. Um, and I remember during that period, you know, that was when Utah was starting to rise a little bit. That was when you could get a Utah ticket for a buck, you know? <laughs> you could go out there and uh, go right to the ticket office, buy a ticket right yeah. as you're walking into the game, <clears throat> pay five bucks, sit in the south end zone, have a great time. Yeah. Now it's impossible to get a Utah ticket. My wife was a sure. student at Utah. And um, she had must tickets, and it was a huge pain to get tickets, um, <laughs> even though they were kind of like guaranteed tickets. So we would have to, you know, buy them in advance, and we were poor students, you yeah. know. Um, and so it wasn't the best thing financially. But anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, you're to the point, I think Utah's 50-somewhat sellouts in a row. They're expanding their stadium at this point. Um They've made a lot of great renovations. They have a great press box, um, great atmosphere. Everything seems to be trending up for Utah while everything's trending down for BYU, yeah. um, which is 
it's just it's so interesting. If you would have gone back ten it's years crazy. ago and told someone that, you'd be very surprised. Yeah. Um, I I think that most of these people wouldn't believe you. Um, now granted, exactly ten years ago was the Sugar Bowl season, but you get what I'm going. At. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just I I do think that Kalani is in the right position to potentially succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in the best position that he can be to succeed, just with the number of freshmen that have played at BYU this year. Twenty-seven, I believe, have started, or, uh, or in the two deep. I can't remember exactly what the number is. It's twenty-seven, but um, would have had, you know, seen significant minutes. True freshmen, mm-hmm. um, all the way from the starting quarterback to the center to starting running back to linebackers. Um, there's some promise coming up, um, and I think. You know, they're going to have a good shot to continue to improve. Um, I think they gave them until 2020, though, when these guys are, you know, upperclassmen. They've got mm-hmm. some games under their belt, a couple seasons under their belt of experience. And, uh, you know, if things aren't turned around by then, uh, it's probably time to move on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's move on. That's enough yeah, speaking of BYU. Well, let's, uh, let's go on to Utah State. Let's go to the Mountain West, to, right? Um, <laughs> God, what a disappointing weekend for Utah State. That that's, that's, that's what I'm going to say. Sure. Um, I really wanted Utah State to succeed this year. They yeah. put together one of the best. I mean, this is probably the best season in program history. It will be if they win their bowl game, yeah. statistically. Yes. But it feels like the most successful season. Absolutely. Up until yesterday. Up until yesterday. Well, yeah. So uh, I was. Uh, I had the pleasure of traveling to Boise. Um, not only just traveling to Boise, but traveling with Rod Zundel with at Boise. Rod Zundel. Um, we went to Boise to check out this game. Um, what is, is it safe to say Boise State is Utah State's rivals? Both in the Mountain Division, both. It's their trending. conference rival. Okay. BYU will always be Utah State's number one rival. Um, yeah, it's interesting you said Utah State's rival, right? Yeah. BYU will be Utah State's rival. Yeah. Utah State's not BYU's rival necessarily. Not their number one rival. Sure. Um, no, so, okay, a lot on the line for this game, right? For those who aren't aware, Utah State, probably the best team in the state, performance-wise. They put up, uh, on average, fifth, like 50-plus right, points the a game. They're consistent team this season in the state. Um, what I'll say... Uh, yeah, I'd say they're the most consistent. I think at this point, Utah's playing better than Utah State. Sure, um, at this point. Utah State's been trending down the last few weeks. Um, yeah. Especially but, the last two against Colorado State and Boise State. Sure. Um, I mean, they almost had a heartbreak last week against Colorado State, and it literally took... A miracle. Like, inches. A game of inches. Yeah. And a miracle <clears throat> and luck. And sometimes For you need it that win. way when... Sure. Uh, you're having a special season. You yeah. can't win every game with a blowout. No, absolutely. You You'll have to slug it out. Some luck. Yeah. Yeah. Ugly and games are wins too. Colorado State. Uh, all wins a win. So, uh, so going into this game, this game was for the Mountain Division of the Champion West Conference. Yeah. Yeah, of the Mountain West Conference. The winner would go on to the Mountain West Conference Championship. Um, you know, Boise State going into it ten and one. Uh, ten Nine and, and two. No. Nine and two. Utah State was nine. Oh, did I say Boise? 
Boise State was nine Boise and two. State was nine and two. Utah, Utah was State 10 was ten and one. Um, Utah State. So we looked this up while we were at the stadium. Last time they won at Boise was in '96. Yeah, it was when Matt Wells was a player. Wow. Yeah, and he was. Uh, I think he played DB in that game, even though he was a quarterback. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that was the last time they won in Boise. Um, their record on the Smurf or against um, Boise State was like. I think they've like lost fourteen to fifteen or something like that. Like I'll have to look it up. Here, I, I, You'll I look it up. Look this up real um, quick. So a lot on the line for this game. Um, everyone looked. Everyone seemed confident going into this game. And in fact, even during the game, first first possession, first quarter, man, it looked like Utah State was going to win. Utah State's eighteen and five um, against Boise State, and since nineteen ninety five. Um, they are, they've only won three games. Okay. Yeah. Um, the odds weren't in their favor historically. Um, but Utah had a lot of confidence. Utah State had a lot of confidence going into this game. Um, and so they showed that confidence in the first quarter. Um, scored a, a, scored. a minute and a half into the game. Yeah. Right into, right into it. First possession scored. Um, seven nothing Utah State. Boise State gets the ball. Utah State holds them three and out. Looks like they're on their way to score another touchdown. Um, but then Jordan Love throws a pick, and that completely changed the game. Um, Utah State f- this whole season have they have pretty much banked on big plays, whether it's big passing plays or you know Jordan Love throwing a dime into the end zone. Or, you know, you got um, Gerald Bright um, running like a 60-yard up-the-gut play for a touchdown. Or if it's the defense scoring touchdowns, they that was their MO this whole year. Big plays, momentum-shifting plays. So for them to win this game, they needed some momentum-shifting plays. Guess how many momentum-shifting plays Utah State had the entire night? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Boise State had two. You know, they had two turnovers, that pick, and then there was, like, a fumble later on or um, or something. Um, but that pick set up the next touchdown, bringing Boise back into the game, 7-7, and Utah State couldn't get the lead for the rest of the game. Um, get this. Utah State, normally an offensive powerhouse, total rushing yards for the game, 62 yards. They only had 62 rushing yards the entire game. Which is crazy. Um, and then I think their uh, clock management, you know, their efficiency or whatever. Utah State controlled the clock for like 18 minutes versus Boise State's, you know, 42 or 43 minutes. Boise State was just able to move the ball. And it was kind of apparent as the game went on that that special play that Utah State needed to win this game wasn't going to happen. And it was kind of a bummer. (laughs) I really wanted them to win Um, because they would go to the Mountain West Championship game, you know, depending on whether things happen in their favor. They could have gone to the uh, 
playoffs. They, well, not a playoff, but they could have gone to a New Oh, Year's New Year's Six. six. Yeah. Sorry. New um, Year's well, Six there, game. There's a great opportunity to because uh, UCF, McKenzie Milton, the quarterback for UCF, uh, injured his knee. Wow. Um, and so heading into the American Athletic Conference championship game, they're without their star quarterback who's led them to 25 straight wins. Um, so, you know, if things were to go right for Utah State, there was a scenario where they could have been the at-large bid for the yeah. G5. Because if they beat Boise State, they're going to jump up the rankings a nice a nice uh, bit. You know, yeah. there were 21. They'd probably go up to, like, anywhere from, like, 16 to 18. I'd mm-hmm. probably say, like, 18. Um, then beating Fresno State, which is, I believe... They, they've been in, ranked in the top 25, probably a fringe top 25 mm-hmm. if they aren't right now. Uh, you know, that's going to put them up at 16. Uh, they're going to get the G5 bid to a, a bowl game, a, yeah. a New Year's Six bowl game. But instead, um, so they're not going to so – They're over. not going to go to the Las Vegas Bowl because that's the Mountain West champion. Mm-hmm. Um, the best case scenario is Albuquerque – in the New Mexico Yikes. Bowl or a December trip up to Boise for the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Um, so that's just, you know, kind of, I, kind of I mean, bar. they could end up in Hawaii. Uh, <clears throat> I guess I shouldn't say that, that you know, that yeah. that wouldn't be a bad situation. You get to spend the holidays in Hawaii. But, yeah, just it's kind of for what like the you expectation said. was coming in. It's really disappointing. A disappointment. Um, and there's no other way to say it. I mean, with – the group of seniors that Utah State has, um, you know, I came into the season, this is my first season really extensively covering Utah State. Mm-hmm. Um, well, covering Utah State really at, at all. all. Yeah. Um, I've had more history with Utah and obviously BYU, but uh, when when you're following these storylines and you're getting to know these kids, like, mm-hmm. you really grow attached to them. It, it, Absolutely. It's the same thing with Weber State, SUU, you know, the Jazz, RSL. You know, a lot of things that, like, you may not care about, like, you get to know them and you, you, you kind of you, you do begin to care. And not that you have a rooting interest in them other than, you know, if the big teams are doing good, then your ratings are better. Yeah. Um, but you're not necessarily a fan of, like, the team, but you're a fan of the people and you just want to see them succeed. Absolutely. And that was absolutely 100% the case with me for Utah State. Um, I like, you know, Jordan Love, John Trail Rockmore. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, Gabe Gerald Ferguson. Bright. Gerald Bright. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, like all Roman Andrus, uh, yeah. you know, all these guys, I just wanted to see them succeed and, you know, just do something special with their season because it's just not often that you have opportunities like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you see it with, uh, with, um, like BYU, you know, it's been forever since BYU's had a 10 win season, I think 2010, oh, yeah. uh, with, with Utah, you know, they went through that stretch where they had two back-to-back five and seven seasons. The only mm-hmm. thing that kept Kyle Whittingham from getting fired was beating, U- beating BYU. BYU in those seasons. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Utah State hasn't been a great program historically. And to finally see them turn a corner um, and be consistently good and not just have these one-off seasons where, yeah. uh, you know, that they're good. But, you know, consistent bowl game appearances. Uh, making noise in the Mountain West Conference. You want to see them build on that and succeed. And you, we got to a point that we, you know, thought, you know, maybe this is the season that they do it. They have a great quarterback, yeah, great weapons around him, and it just doesn't 
You know, it just didn't work out. And it came down to the final game of the season. Um, Opportunities late, but they just weren't able to, you know, make any of those big plays that they've needed in the past. Uh, This is, I mean, this is one of the best turnover-creating defenses in the country. They just couldn't get it done. Yeah. Uh, So it's just, yeah, disappointing. It's, you know, and, you know, no one's more disappointed than the team, obviously. No. Um, Talking to them after the game, it was heartbreaking, man, especially especially Matt Wells, where you kind of, you know, you kind of see him as, like, this hard head coach, you know, um, steely-eyed, very disciplined guy. But he, man, he nearly broke in tears, like, a couple times talking about his team, talking about how special – that squad is. Well, and he just loves his players. And, and he a, loves That's them. something that you can get from this guy. Yeah. Um, and I'll say that about all three FBS head coaches in the state. Mm-hmm. All three of them love their players. Yeah. That's something, that's one thing. Knock him however you want. Sure. Um, you can say what you want about, you know, Kyle, that he has never been able to put up a great offensive game <laughs> yeah. as the head coach of Utah. You can say what you want about Kalani, you know, about his struggles that he's seen. And say what you want about Matt Wells. One thing you cannot knock these guys about is how much they love their teams, how much they care for their players, and how much their players care for and respect them. And you can see that in the way that they interact. Yeah. You know, fans don't see that because um, you know they're not going to the press conferences where, uh, you know, where behind the cameras, you know, these guys yeah. are giving them big bear hugs. You know, they're uh, they've battled through blood, sweat, and tears. You know, mm-hmm. throughout the summer, um, they've grown together. They've you know, just they, they know each other, they're family. Yeah. And, um, you know, criti- criticize them for, like I said, for whatever you want, but like you can't criticize them for not caring about their teams. Yeah. And I think Matt Wells is probably like after this game, absolutely shifted my perspective of like how, how much he actually cares for these guys yeah. more than just the wins. And if you think about it, like obviously, you know, it was like it wasn't too long ago, a couple of seasons ago, where it was like they had three wins. Then the next year they had six wins. Mm-hmm. This year they have ten wins. If they be, win this bowl game, that's eleven, um, and that's the most they've ever had. Uh, I don't think they've had more than an eleven-win season. Um, I believe he said that at the end of the press conference. Um, and so, yeah, disappointing ending for the regular season for. Uh, for Utah State, but you know, they uh, so they did have 11 wins in 2012. Okay, so they'll tie. Um, it. That was Gary Anderson's last season, so that would tie for the most. Okay. Um, this is only the third 10 win season ever in Utah State history. All three have come since 2012. Okay, so a lot of credit goes to Matt Wells, and it's so. so it, yeah, so it's a it's a disappointing end for them, but huge upside. They have a very young team, also, you know. So mm-hmm. um, next season, I fully expect them to get to ten wins. That's the probably the benchmark now. Yeah, they got to get to ten wins. They got to win the cha- uh, Mountain West Championship. So uh, well, there's the expectation that they're going to beat BYU because they've beat BYU two yeah. years in a row. Um, yeah, and it's up in Logan, and that's. You know, if there's ever a concern about people coming out for a game up in Logan, that's the one week that you aren't concerned about it. Yep, it's going to be a tough game. So, I mean, I know we're kind of projecting looking forward to next season, but uh, I will, you know, I think the future is bright for all three teams in the state. Yeah. um, 
if you sense a little bit of bitterness in our voices, you know, with Utah <laughs> State and, um, you know, with what's going on with BYU, it just sucks to see these programs struggle. Yeah. Um, especially, like like I said, when you're covering all three of these programs, um, like, fans, you guys aren't going to understand it. You yeah. just care for them. You want them to succeed. Sure. I mean, like, even um, with Utah, like, I would, like, wouldn't necessarily say we're Utah guys, but... We want them to win the Pac-12 championship. Absolutely. We 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 hope they go and, and take it to Washington. And then we're gonna rock paper and scissors so we, to see who gets to go to the Rose Bowl <laughs> if they win. You know, yeah. like we're gonna be fighting over that. And, <laughs> uh, we're gonna get commemorative 2018 Rose Bowl. Oh, absolutely. Bound T-shirts. You yeah. Know? Like, um, and it's it's it just makes it more fun. It makes our jobs more fun. Um, absolutely. And so I I know whenever I talk to people who are like fans of a certain team. Yeah. That they just don't get it. Um, I mean, like you said, you're a guy that grew up with BYU um, because your dad went to BYU. I mm-hmm. graduated from BYU, um, grew up in Utah County, and, you know, I kind of cheered for both programs at different points, yeah. BYU and Utah. You know, I wanted Utah State to succeed. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would say that I've always had closer ties to BYU just because that's you know, I grew up in Utah County, but, um, yeah, it's just, it, you want to see all these teams succeed. Like I was saying, and yeah. you want these guys to succeed individually. And even after their careers, you know, you want to see, uh, you know, if they're going to the NFL to see them succeed, uh, to see them do well and, you know, represent the state of Utah and their colleges and, you know, continue to, cause it's building the future. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's all we have for, college football um why don't we talk a little uh uh did we do you want to go and talk uh some fantasy football for a minute sure okay let's talk some fantasy football Thank you, Mariah. All right, guys. Here's what I got to say. Those of you who listen to the podcast know that I'm freaking high on the Browns. (laughs) Well, the Browns, I have reaped the rewards of the Browns this week. Because, my goodness, one of the best first halves of professional football that I've seen this year, they put up 28 points against the Bengals in the first half. They were super motivated. Yeah, Hugh Jackson's on the sideline for the Bengals. Um, former head coach who was fired what four weeks ago, and you know, uh, Utah or excuse me, we're still I'm still in college football mode. Cleveland just absolutely turned it around. Well, you know what? Those of you who listen know that I'm a big fan of Hard Knocks. <laughs> I was completely all Baker in Mayfield on uh, the Cleveland Browns season. They've already got four wins. That's four. That's four more than last year. <laughs> okay, uh, not getting that number one pick this year. Um, Baker Mayfield is my starting quarterback. Nick Chubb is my running back. David Njoku is my tight end. Antonio Callaway is my wide receiver. Holy crap. And, uh, I reap the rewards. I, what, how much did Baker throw for today? Baker. Or this weekend. Threw four. <clears throat> Let's see. Where did that go? Cause uh, he's on my bench and 
It's it's a, 258 it, yards and four touchdowns. Wow. Nick Chubb had two total touchdowns and 84 rushing yards, 27.8 points. Um, Antonio Callaway, four receptions for 62 yards and a touchdown. And Njoku um, had five receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown. Wow. So these guys just absolutely killed it. Um, I started all of them except for Callaway because uh, ESPN for some reason told me that A.J. Green was going to be playing today. I will get to this in a second. Um I slept in past the start of the games. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll get we'll get there. And so I wasn't able to change that in time. But did you did you win? I won. Yeah, I beat the number one team um, in my league in the first round of the playoffs. How, by how much? Uh, Forty three points. <sighs> you smoked that guy. Yeah, and uh, that, I outscored him sixty points this week because it was a two week playoff. Right. So I outscored him by 63 points Dang. this week. It feels good. So so what's your tip for the week then? Go with the Browns. Go all in on the Browns. Go all in on the Browns. Hugh Jackson's gone. <laughs> Greg Williams, uh, former defensive coordinator, he's got this team rolling. Uh, they're not going to freaking hire Condoleezza Rice. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, you're good to go with the Browns. Um, try and make a move for, I don't know, like there's going to be some dumb guy in your fantasy league that has one of them or they haven't been picked sure. up yet. Um, pick him up. Or, you know what, another guy that I picked up that, you know, half my leagues didn't have picked up. I might have changed after um, last Monday night's game. But, uh, sorry, I just got lost there for a second. Josh Reynolds for the Rams. Oh, interesting. Um, I picked him up after Cooper Cup got hurt. Uh-huh. He scored 20 points. Wow. In his first week as a starter. Nice. So, a nice little stash piece um, for the that group that uh, that group of talented Rams receivers, um, you know, one goes down, another guy just steps up. So yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I go with uh, Josh Reynolds and uh, the Browns. And Sweet. I know I've said that several times, but trust me, guys. Like Baker Mayfield has been awesome the last four weeks. I think he's completing over seventy five percent of his passes. Um, I think he's only thrown like a, one or two picks over the last month. Like he's starting to figure it out. Yeah. They have a lot of talent around them. I mean, you have to when you're the worst team in the NFL and you're drafting sure. number one for years and years and years. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, go with the Browns. But uh, let's talk nice. about, um, for a second, about why, why you I missed. slept in and why I missed the deadline for uh, uh, my fantasy league Um uh, you know, making the moves on the roster moves. What are you like, tired or something? I'm pretty tired. And now we bring you a new segment. What are we calling this segment? Adventures in parenting. <clears throat> Adventures in parenting with Zachary Hicken and Hamahe Mooley Jr. Uh, so like we mentioned before, Zach has a kid. And it is slowly sucking your soul out one hour of sleep at a time. Yeah, but, like, in a good way. I mean, sure. it's 2.30 in the morning right now as we record, and mm-hmm. I would be at home rocking my kid to sleep. Um, <laughs> back to sleep, back probably. Back to sleep after I fed him. No, it's, you know, I, I will say this. It's the best thing in the world. It's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. To look down at, like, this little thing that you and, you know, your spouse wife partner you know whatever created 
that's yours that you're going to raise up and you're going to see, you know, all the heartbreak and accomplishments, everything that they do in their life. And it looks like you. <laughs> it has like your mannerisms. It yeah. has like some like genetic features that you passed along to it. It's one of the coolest things in the world. That's cool. Um, but it can be frustrating at times. But like at the same time, like I wouldn't trade it for anything, you know, like, uh, you know what sucks is like three in the morning yeah. when your kid wakes up to, to eat and you feed him and he spits up all over you. Yeah. And then, you know, you get the spit up cleaned up, you change him. And then he pees on you, <laughs> and then you put the new diaper on, and then as soon as you put the new diaper on, he poops. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I got, like, this early stage of parenting thing down because I've had nice. that happen multiple times in the last – he's two weeks old. Um, but, no, I, I – it's it's awesome, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade cool. it for anything, and I love it. Dude, so, en- enjoy this stage. It's – it goes fast. Yeah. No, really it's flown fast. by. I can't believe that he's already two weeks old. We got a, um, his, his belly button umbilical stump fell off already. <laughs> so um, he's more human looking now. With yeah. The, and I don't feel bad belly. that like this thing, like sometimes I was like bumping it with like my fingers when I was like changing it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to rip this thing off. And yeah, it probably hurts. No, I think he's good now, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's really cool. And, um, it just, there was a lot of stuff. I, I felt very prepared entering yeah. it, but like at the same time, like you're never prepared as like a first oh, no. parent. No way. Um, and there's just like, there are so many things that I wish like, like just small things that like people probably don't think about. Hmm. I'm going to write a book about this. I talked okay. to my wife about it. We're going to co-author a book about like, you know, there's what to expect when you're expecting. Sure. You, you go and do like the prenatal classes, but like here's the stuff that nobody tells you about that's going to happen that you're going to completely freak out about. <laughs> and you're going to go and scour the deepest depths of Google to yeah. find out the answers. Number one, okay, your kid, when they're coming, when they're being born, they swallow a lot of amniotic fluid. Okay. It's in their stomach, it's in their lungs, okay? <laughs> Well, once they're breathing air for the first time, they're coughing this stuff out, okay? Uh-huh. Our second day with our, our son, he's choking on this stuff because oh he's gosh. getting it out of his system. And he keeps coughing it up and choking on it. And we're like, what is – like, do we need to take him back and get him fixed? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, we're like – we're we were still in the hospital that morning. And the doctor's like, oh, no, this is just completely normal. I'm like, why has no one mentioned this to me? Yeah. Um, apparently it's not super common. It's pretty common though, that like, um, if, if, uh, your baby's born pretty quickly, yeah. um, once it's, you know, coming out, uh, it happens and it apparently happens a lot with C-sections, hmm. um, that they don't get all the amniotic fluid out. And if you want to search further into why that is, go ahead. I'm not yeah. going to explain that here. <laughs> That's not my role. Um, but yeah, cool. That was uh, it was scary because he kept choking on stuff, and we were like very attentive. Like anytime he made like a little noise, and so I, I'm a pro um, with the little bulb syringe. Yeah, uh, I'm very good at using that and sucking uh, it out. Yeah, um, like another tip though, if you have a boy, um, before you change their diaper, because every time that uh, you open up a diaper, they're gonna start peeing. Oh yeah. Uh, one thing that we figured out: if you wipe their tummy with and um i hope this doesn't go down as like child abuse but if you wipe their <laughs> tummy with a wet wipe before uh-huh the coldness makes them pee okay 
And so you so get rather, it out. Yeah, you get it out before. Oh, that's pretty smart. And so, yeah, we figured out that, that it works. And, like, there's been times that he's just had a messy diaper. Uh-huh. Um, it was just dirty that wasn't wet. And we've done it. And we have a cool little strip on his diapers that change from yellow to blue when he pees. And you wipe, and it just starts turning blue. <laughs> you know, okay, this thing works. So that was a nice tip that we got from a neighbor. Um, so, yeah, those, that's my stuff. What do you have, though, Hema? Because you have, you have two kids. Yeah. That are uh, um, two and a half, and so I have a, my son's three. Okay, sorry, I apologize. And for that. my daughter is like one and a half. Okay, she's like yeah, she's about eighteen months. Okay, um, dude, honestly, I've forgotten everything from like the baby baby stage. Well, just like what what's like happened in the last little bit with your kids that you're like, oh wow, like you did this. So they're Why? they're both pretty much toddlers. Um, I guess my son is a little older, but so it's, I don't know. It's a different kind of mess. My son's potty trained, you know, my daughter's still in diapers, but you know, we can handle that pretty easily. Um, so nothing really messy like that. Um, the messes that they get into is like, now that there's two of them, they kind of like tag team and they'll both figure out how to like open up the, the, jar of flour that we have on like our shelf and so everything will be covered in flour or like baby oil like baby oil is everywhere yeah and so that's that's the kind of messes that we face with every day okay um so it's a little different but then i'll give you something that i do like from the age that my kids are at is that every time i come home my daughter like freaks out and it's like she's like so excited to see me yeah and then my son also like he'll run up and give me a hug and that's probably the best part of this age yeah like i see them uh you'll facetime them sometimes while you're at work like before they go to bed and like yeah. those kids are so happy to see you it, which is pretty cool because at this point um you know my son two weeks old doesn't know me from adam he still probably can't see yeah like, he can't very see, far yeah i i i mean like i said i've been reading a lot yeah um apparently that development doesn't happen until 28 days after their due date so my oh, son's wow. due date was the 19th. Yeah. So we still got like 21 days before <laughs> that. He's supposed to go under that development that he's actually able to start being able to like process stuff. Yeah. So I've heard that like after that, like they actually start recognizing you. Yeah. And like they, they'll start to laugh or stuff like that. But it's just like um, he'll like look at me. But like I can't <laughs> tell if he's looking at me or like above me at like the ceiling. Right. And so, um, yeah, it. It's awesome, though. Yeah. And like I said, I wouldn't trade it for the world, even though uh, I'm getting even less sleep than normal. Yeah. Um, I went from, like, six hours a night to, like, four and a half. Um, but it's awesome, and it's really cool, and definitely uh, I would do it again yeah. in a heartbeat. So, um, yeah, I, 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 one thing that I have learned, though, um, one of our running jokes on our podcast is that, um, like, once you have a kid, like, you don't Your have life any time. just like goes away and like you don't have any time for anything and yeah, um, yeah. There's been a lot of movies that I wanted to go out and see like Bohemian Rhapsody, Creed Two. Um, I mean, my wife was like, like, he's a pretty mellow kid, so we could probably take him to the theater. My wife's just a little bit worried about like germs because of this time of year. Oh yeah. Also, if you're gonna go to a nice theater, make sure they you have get quiet him quiet rooms. Yeah, or also like get him like little earmuffs. Yeah. For the sound. Yeah. Because they they have like really deep bass and like mm-hmm. really high highs yeah. in the sound mixing so that might damage his ears a little bit if you 
if he's like right next to a speaker or something. Yeah. But so like one thing we we're debating doing because we want to see you know Bohemian Rhapsody, mm-hmm. Creed Two, The Grinch. Um, I want to see like Widows, uh, The Mule. Oh yeah. There's like a lot of movies that are coming out that like I'm really looking forward to or like I've been waiting for like. Like, literally, since I saw the first um, trailer for Creed 2, mm-hmm. I've, like, been all in on it. Oh, yeah. Um, Drago's son? Yeah. Are you kidding me? And, like, the fact I haven't seen it yet. And, like, it's been a running joke on this podcast. Like, I was waiting for my son. Uh, I was hoping that he'd be born after <laughs> so I could go see it. But, yeah. And then on top of that, um, the new uh, Fantastic Beast movie. Yeah. So I haven't had a chance to go see any of those yet. Um but a lot of cool movies out. I mean, this is movie season right now. Yeah. Right during the holidays, a lot of movie. The new Grinch is out. Yeah, that's that's another one that we want to go see. Um, so, um, yeah, I I have learned um, that I'm going to be a part of this running joke now that when you have a kid, like you, you don't get to see anything. Just drop everything and go do what you want. But, um, you know, how his kids are a little older, yeah, he puts them to bed and you know he'll he'll tune in on the Netflix and he'll start watching and so. Uh, let's talk about what you've been watching because you actually watched something that I suggested. So, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's give a little preview of what it is. It's Seinfeld. I've never seen Seinfeld. No, oh, just kidding. No, I've seen Seinfeld. But the show that I'm watching currently is called The 90s. I think, or is it just nineties? It's the nineties. It's a, it's a documentary by CNN and, uh, eight or nine episodes. I think eight. Yeah. Um, they're pretty long episodes too. They're like an hour and a little bit more. Um, but they just go through all aspects of like the nineties. Then now you told me that there's also like the sixties, the seventies and the eighties and the two thousands and the two thousands. Um, I started with the 90s just because... That's exactly what I did, too. Yeah. Well, uh, so why did you do it? Well, I'm a 90s kid. Um, I kind of gravitate more towards, like, 90s pop culture. That's, like, my favorite type of music. Okay. Um, like, anything, like, from Pearl Jam uh, to, like, Nirvana. Like, gotcha. that early grunge scene, alternative rock scene to uh, what we saw in the later half with, like, Third Eye Blind and, like, Blink-182. Like, sure. those are, like, that's, like, my music. And that's, like, what I listen to. Um, those are... You know, like all, all those TV shows, Friends, mm-hmm. Seinfeld, um, y- even to like what you saw in like Nickelodeon and like yeah. Rugrats and like Rocco's Modern Life, like Doug. That's cool. You know, that's all stuff that like I've gravitated to yeah. and like that I really like. And so that's just something that um, I've always uh, been attached to. Uh, I So I chose the 90s because... So I was born in 87. Okay. Um, so I was a little bit older during the 90s, so I remembered a lot more. Um, not only, like, everyone remembers, like, the TV shows that they watch mm-hmm. and, like, the movies that came out or whatever. But I also remember, like, the Bill Clinton sta- scandals that mm-hmm. happened and, like, the Gulf War. Like, yeah. I remember those things. And it was kind of cool to, like, rehash those and, like, remember things that I remember hearing but like didn't understand at the time yeah like oh why are they talking about a dress yeah with like bill clinton and like i so now i get it you know what i'm saying and they also go in depth with like the pop culture like i'm a big music fan a big audiophile and you know them talking about like you said nirvana pearl jam that kind of like grunge rock 
era. Well, even to George Strait and like country music. And, to country music. Um, like the whole like I thought the the whole like two minute segment that they did on like the Spice Girls and like the yep, new British boy invasion. Bands. Yeah. Uh, which like pretty much like brought in like boy bands and stuff like mm-hmm. that was really interesting. Um, and I like the people that they like chose to bring in to do this, you yeah. know, like Lance Bass to come in and talk about the yeah. music. And like he kind of has like a different perspective because I think he grew up in, I think, in Tennessee in the South. Yes. And so he talked about how like George Strait was like his biggest, thing. like his yeah. biggest musical influence, which is crazy because he was, you know, a front man for one of the biggest pop groups ever. And he's an influence on like so many people now, yeah. Because of that, but yeah, it's it's also interesting. I didn't know this. The guy that formed NSYNC, or the guy that formed Backstreet Boys, also formed NSYNC. Formed NSYNC yeah. also, which is hilarious. I didn't know that. Um, they went from th- that music to like uh, like main more mainstream pop. Uh, they even moved to like. Um, Hip hop. Hip hop. Yeah. Yes. With like the LA riots and like OJ Simpson, like p- the political ties to the music of that era. So yeah. it's really, really cool. Um, and I just finished that. Amazing. Like I highly recommend it. I don't know which way I want to go now. Do I want to go straight into the 2000s or should so, I start going backwards? Here's what I did Netflix doesn't have the 60s or the 2000s up. Okay. So as they far only as got I can tell, you can't find it anywhere. So they have the 70s and 80s and 90s. Unless you pirate it. I can't even find it to pirate anywhere. Ah. So, because I really wanted to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think think the 90s was very well done. But like you, um, I'm tied to the 2000s because I understood, I was born in 94, Mm -hmm. and while I kind of gravitate more towards the 90s for like pop culture stuff, and maybe even the early 2000s because that was like a lot of my formative years. Sure. What my parents listened to, like politically and like news wise and technology wise, like I kind of gravitate a little bit more to the 2000s because sure, um, I was six years old in 2000, and you know when to when uh, 9/11 happened, I was seven, and you know the turning point of uh, the 2000s, and mm-hmm. you know the biggest the biggest moment, and so everything from that to Katrina to um, the uh, the the uh, Florida voting issues oh, with right. George B- George W. Bush. Um, what about like uh, well, mass shootings? You, yeah, you have the mass shootings, which they kind of began Started. to reference it because, like, they talked about like this whole lone wolf terrorism thing with like all the bombings that were going on yeah, in the nineties, domestically. Um, which was just it. It's shocking because um, I didn't know like what was going on in Atlanta with like people were just blowing up like. Um, like clinics, uh, like medical oh, clinics, abortion clinics, and yeah, stuff. yeah, in uh, in Atlanta, um, like Planned Parenthood clinics, and you know the Olympics. Like I, I knew about it, but like I didn't really know about it, you know, yeah, and like yeah. Waco and stuff like that. And that's probably something you had a better idea of, yeah, because you were a little bit older and you could understand that. But, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm really excited to see the 2000s, just to see like. You know, do I really remember this the way that it was, or is this going to change my perspective? Like, I'm interested to see, like, if they talk about, like, the whole, you know, the Dixie Chicks thing with, like, George W. Bush. Because, like, they were one of the biggest, like, musical groups, you know, ever. And Mm -hmm. they're, because they're country, and they come out and speak out against a conservative president, they lost, like, all their their fan base, you know? And so, um, 
Yeah, it's just, it's, I'm really interested to see because they, they do a really good job of, like, tying in, like, why does this pop culture matter politically through all this stuff? And they do it with every single one mm-hmm. of them. Like, the 70s was just wild. Like, the stuff that you could say on TV. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like. Yeah. Like, we talk about, like, how, lo- like, in in ways, how loose FCC standards are now mm-hmm. with, like, violence and sex and all that stuff. Um, sure. Drug use, alcohol use. They're pretty loose now, but what you could say to people and, like, the type of language you could use, which is absolutely inflammatory in 2018. Oh, absolutely. Totally fluent. And it's not anything I'm going to say on this podcast because right. we will lose our jobs, but um, it's amazing to, to see that, like, that was on, like, ABC, NBC, CBS, yeah. like, on bunny ears that, like, anyone had access to. And so it's just, it's really interesting to see that um, and the way that, like, America has changed mm-hmm. by each decade. and. But also how are the same in a lot of ways yeah which is yeah. really interesting yeah and like it's it's opened me up to like a lot of uh you know things that i might not have been interested in before but like i wanted to learn more about it mm. like i started watching cheers after i watched the 80s <laughs> um because you know it's i've always great heard show. You know, cheers is awesome and yeah all that stuff and um that it was like the last it was considered to be like the last great nbc sitcom until like sure. you know seinfeld came along and then friends and frasier and all that stuff but um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. I'm excited to see these other episodes. Like, I'm I'm really excited to see the '60s because I think that's such a, a defining decade in yeah. American history. Just because uh, you know you go from the beginning of it to you know JFK getting elected and assassinated, and uh, the Korean War and uh, like the tail end of the Korean War and the beginning of the Vietnam War. Yeah, um, landing uh, on the moon. Sure. Um, you know, uh, the music, the British invasion, the Beatles, yeah. um, you know, the beginning of, uh, also like, the like Brit- of like Led Zeppelin and like all those guys coming in like, for, for TV. It was like, um, married couples, like getting yeah. in the same room, bedroom, yeah. like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Just stuff like that. And so I, 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 I'm really hoping that, Hey, if anyone here, has like a copy of it or like has it on their DVR, like please invite me over because I really want to watch it. Um, and I can't wait until it's on Netflix. Um, same with the two thousands, like, like you said with the nineties, I'm really excited to see like how, how my take on it, um, kind of goes for, uh, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it. Um, I haven't really watched anything new since I had my kid. I've watched the office. I watched the entire series, the office in, um, in a week. And so, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I've accomplished since, uh, I, have learned how to diaper a kid though. So I think that's good. Um, nice. I, I'm, I'm progressing as a dad. I'm, I'm leveling up. Yeah. Step by so, step. It's pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think that'll do it for, uh, this week's episode. Sorry. We went a little, little bit long, an hour and 35 minutes. Today, Holy cow. But, but we haven't been on for like four for weeks. a few weeks. Um, yeah. next week we are going to, uh, Maybe uh, recap the high school football season. We're going to see where we're at with that and see what we're able to get to. Um, so we finally have a little bit of a slow week this week. But uh, do us a favor and uh, share this podcast with your friends. Yeah. Uh, post it on social media. Visit our new website, kslsports.com. Make sure to tune in to Sports Beat. Uh, we're on every night at 1020 and then Saturdays at 6 and Sundays at 1045. So... Uh, Make sure you check us out and uh, share it with your friends. Rate and review us on iTunes. And, uh, yeah. Five stars only. Five stars only. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening. Um, 
yeah, we'll be back next week. We promise. Um, and hopefully we have Sean Walker with us. Sean Walker, maybe some other guests. We'll find out. I am your host, Hemahimuli Jr. And my co-host, Zachary Hicken. Peace. We're going to go to bed now. Yeah, it's late. Not together, but. We're going to go home and go to bed. <laughs>